Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. On this week's episode of Big Drive Energy, we discuss a potential budding rivalry between young golfers Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland along with Tiger Woods and his son Charlie playing in the PNC Championship. Finishing it up with Fairway or Four and talking a little bit about how golf's extended coverage will allow viewers to watch more than 4,300 hours of golf next season. Let's tee it up. Hello friends, welcome to this tradition unlike any... Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. What is up, everyone? Welcome into this week's edition of your favorite podcast, Big Drive Energy, brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and an official betting partner of the NFL. Uh, I am your host, Spencer Smith, at Big Drive Spence on Twitter, here with my brother, co-host, and friend, and work partner. Um, we This is a time of the year where we get to work together a lot. Uh, not a lot of people coming in. We're expecting the first snow in Denver, so... We're going to be praising. We're going to be praising the snow. We need it for the golf course. Uh, Mitchell Smith, the the man. What's up, dude? How you doing? Yo, what up, man? I'm doing good. Um, uh, Getting ready for a fun weekend of sports. I can go to the ads game tomorrow night and then uh, Nuggets, or I'm sorry, Broncos Sunday and then Nuggets Monday. So I got a busy weekend. This is my favorite time of year. We've been waiting all year for this. And everybody's all like, oh, I don't want it to be this cold. It's like, I like, I like summer, but then I also like winter, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages. So now we're living our best lives, um, partying like rock stars, doing our thing, just enjoying ourselves. Uh, I'm trying to think if I, I really didn't do anything too exciting in this last week. Um, a few Christmas get togethers and things like that, just continuing my eight-year bender that I've been on so uh, (laughs) life's pretty good I can't complain um what about you man I know 
we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit, but you were out in Kansas City for the uh, Broncos-Chiefs game. Yeah, made a little trip to uh, Gaya Field at Arrowhead Stadium. It was a good time until the game started. Um, What'd you call sta- it? It's called Gaya Field now, G-E-H-A. Huh. Gay. Makes sense, but. Um, <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> no, Gaya is what I said. Makes sense. Um, okay. I don't know if it's gay or G E H A. Like, I don't know what the, um, I've never heard of that brand before, but yeah, it actually shocked me when we drove by the stadium the first day. Um, and I saw it and I was like, what the fuck? I don't know what, what this place is. Is it still called Arrowhead? Arrowhead stadium. Yes. The field okay, is so it's the one like, that has the name. It's kind of like mile high. Like you just always call it Arrowhead or mile high. Yeah. It's, it's in power field at mile high. Gaya Field well, I, I know at Arrowhead Stadium. Okay. Yeah. So, it, no, it was a good time. KC fans suck. Um, they can go fuck themselves, to be honest. Just <laughs> like normally they are I get kind of like bottom of the barrel, like no offense, but they really are. Yeah. Our team's good now. And like just fucking, you guys have been terrible for 50 years. Shut up. Like you haven't made a Super Bowl in 50 years up until two years ago. Like, they're just, they were out like outlandishly rude to us. Like, which I could have seen, like, I get rude to fans sometimes, but that's like, I'm always a reactor when it comes to being a dickhead at stadiums, not a, not an actor. And like these dudes were just dudes and even girls uh, were just like being straight up rude to us. And without us even doing anything, like it was, it was hilarious. Like, but whatever, you know, the Broncos lost. They couldn't back up any of my words. I tried to talk a little shit and they never even, it was never even really close. Like they got kind of close to scoring and maybe tying the game in that second quarter. And then they go for it on fourth down, don't get it. And it was just kind of a buzzkill from there. But all in all, a good time. Uh, my third time at Arrowhead and I'm now one and two. Um, so I've got a sub 500 record at Arrowhead, but when the Broncos, well, you, you have more wins. We both have more wins at Arrowhead than any Bronco on the roster, maybe besides Brandon McManus. That is accurate. That is most likely accurate. So is that insane? Well, yeah. And in all honesty, like I know this sounds ridiculous, but that was the closest 42 to three game. Was it 42, three? Which game are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. Not geez. Don't bring up the Iowa game. We don't need to talk about it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) That was the score of that. Yeah. Okay. What was the score of the Broncos game again? 22 to nine. Oh God. Dude, that, that was so within reach. That was the most frustrating thing when we, uh, just the few key turnovers, obviously, and Daniel Sorensen can go, uh, get fucked to the moon if I'm being real honest he's I just don't really like any of the Chiefs except for I don't mind Mahomes honestly like it's not him that I dislike it's well and there's been a few times where I'm like act like you've been there dude when was it when they beat um who did they beat earlier this year and he's like celebrating and they're just like a god-awful team I'm like bro act you want a Super Bowl like don't act like that I'm sorry but uh, yeah they they're not my they're... my heart no my heart kind of goes out to him though. Cause his sister, or I'm sorry, his brother and his wife seem like completely insufferable. I think we've talked about this before, but just the, the most annoying people to be around. So I can only imagine his day-to-day life. Um, I mean, he is worth about $500 million. So I can't really feel too bad for the guy, but you know, my heart kind of does go out to him a little bit, but yeah, other than that, 
every single chief can pretty much get bent in my in my world. Yeah, I don't I don't mind Patrick Mahomes, but we and we had we gave him his worst regular season start of his career in terms of like numbers and rate quarterback rating and everything. And then, and then we still lost. So, uh, and Travis Kelsey's a complete fraud. Yeah. I just had to toss fuck, it. Fuck that guy too. George Kittle yeah. will always be the best tight end in the NFL. Even TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I, I can't Hawkinson say that on my team before Travis Kelsey. Seriously. He's a, he is softer than wide receivers are like it. All he does is bitch and complain and drop passes. So, yeah, bum, but whatever. But <laughs> hillbilly. All right, so let's get into a little golf. Um, it was kind of a fun week. It, it was kind of a the end of the fall swing, if you will, on the PGA Tour. And uh, it so now we're well, going technically into the Hero a, Challenge isn't even on the PGA Tour, which is weird. yeah, that's true. That is true. But they basically. Um, they they're basically now going into a couple of like phony they get a couple weeks off and then there's a couple of the hero world challenge although like you said it's not a real pga tour event had a pretty stacked field and the winner victor hovland actually made a funny comment i don't know if you saw this in an interview uh there was a guy asking him he's like even though it's not a real pga tour win does it feel like a real win uh because of the field and he was just like hell yeah He's like, like he was pumped about it. So, oh yeah, I mean the Hero World Challenge. For those of you who don't know, is sponsored by or hosted by Tiger Woods. Um, obviously sponsored by Hero, but hosted by Tiger. So, really, anybody who's anyone goes and plays that, especially because they play it in the Bahamas. So, who doesn't want to take a trip down there if you get the invite? I guarantee you, not a single dude, unless they're injured, is like, yeah, I'll just pass on the Bahamas for the week and all the amenities and the great golf course. So uh, actually, I think we, I don't remember if we've talked about this or not, but a few guys actually live down. I think they played at Albany. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. A few guys, a few PGA tour players actually live down there and play down there full time. I think there's some sort of tax benefit. I think there's also no income tax like uh, Florida. So when you're making five sheets, that makes kind of a big difference a uh, couple million bucks at least. So they, they moved down to either the Bahamas. I mean, other than natural disasters, I can't really think of a downside to living in the Bahamas. Um, there's definitely worse places, but yeah, I mean, dude, Victor Hovland is, and we're going to talk about this a little bit. Um, Victor Hovland is quickly becoming uh, arguably the best player. I mean, Colin Morikawa is obviously already there. But Victor is quickly uh, um, approaching upon that title and kind of battling with Colin for that title. And so just to throw the numbers out real quick, I've got uh, Hovland and Morikawa's side-by-side career numbers. Um, So Hovland, they've actually both started 57 career PGA Tour events, the exact same number, uh, other than like, both of them were in the field this week, but it doesn't count. Like I said, because it's technically not PGA tour sanctioned, but so Colin has, uh, um, yes, Colin has five PGA tour wins, including a major, which Hovland does not have. He has 10, uh, 20 top 10 finishes in 57 starts and 15 million in career money, 
377,988 in career money. So he's got Victor there because Victor on the PGA Tour only has three wins, uh, 12 top 10 finishes in 57 events played for $9,144,000 and 80, $144,863. But he is also won on the European Tour. He won the BMW International. And so that official money was only, um, only I say this loosely because the PGA Tour and even the European Tour are crazy, but I think he made 230 euros at the BMW. So he's made over 10 million in his career, and that doesn't count the win this weekend. So he's basically got five career victories along with uh, Colin Morikawa. And to give you a quick rundown of their stats, they are. Uh, really where the discrepancy lies for each of them is strokes gained off the tee. Uh, Victor Hovland is ranked fourth so far this season, but he is consistently really, really good off the tee. His approach to the green is 40th, which is pretty damn good when you can, all things considered, but his around the green. So that's like chipping, pitching, all that. He's 240th in strokes gained, which is about as far down as you can go. Um, so really, really bad. And we've talked about his, his chipping and pitching woes before, but then putting he's 36. So he's a top 40 in three of the four major key stats on the PGA tour. Um, so far this season, so not a huge sample size, but then you go to Morikawa's numbers off the tee. He's ranked 57th in uh, strokes gained pretty good, but not like super good. It's not fourth. Like, Hovland is off the tee, but then around the or approach to the green, he is second on the tour in approach so far this season. So that we know he's a great iron player, great ball striker. Um, around the green, he's not very good either. So he's 132nd on tour so far this season um, in strokes gained around the green. And then putting, he's 10th so far. So overall, both very, very good players. It's more of the, the glaring Hovland off the tee versus uh, Morikawa at, on the approach. But if you watch – tell me what you think, Spencer, but I really do think that when it's all said and done, Hovland could have a better career than Morikawa. Well, I think the one of the thing that stands out for me is – and I think you were telling me the stat today is – Victor Hovland has five basically career wins on the professional, you know, not the PGA tour, but in, in his professional career in 60 starts overall, and he's only missed five cuts. So he's not this boomer bust type of player. Like he's making every cut and you know, that's how you make money obviously too, but he's just like, and his attitude, I think is one of the, the best things about him. Colin Morikawa is more quiet, which I, you know, I, I don't think is a, a bad thing by any means, but I think Victor Hovland's just Victor Hovland is polarizing in the fact that he is so much fun to watch. And he's so like, just like lackadaisical about the game, kind of like that Dustin Johnson way, but he's also funnier, you know, like he'll talk shit about himself about how his own shipping is bad. And like, if you get Victor Hovland mic'd up, it's it's one of the top five on PGA Tour on the PGA Tour to watch and to listen to because he talks shit about himself. He laughs about bad lies. I think we talked about that in the pod 
a little while ago in a tournament, he had like a viral moment because he had a horrible lie and he was just laughing about how far left his shot went. So it's, it's going to be fun to see, you know, there's just this whole growing new era of golf. And once we, uh, and on the PGA tour, especially, and once we can kind of get over the, what Tiger Woods did because it will never be done again. And we can just appreciate these young guys for how good they really are and how good their careers are starting. I think a lot more people will get into watching the guys like Victor Hovland, guys like Colin Morikawa. I mean, even Sam Burns, like guys like that are winning tournaments and and nobody even knows their name. Yeah. Matt Wolf, same kind of deal. I mean, everybody knows him for his unique swing, but he's already won on tour and he's 24 years old also. And these guys, like you said, they're, that's, that is the challenge with tiger. Like I love tiger. Everybody loves tiger. We're going to talk about tiger in a little bit, but he has such a draw that so many of these other guys that are so talented and have these great personalities, uh, get kind of overlooked, you know, like Hovland, like, uh, Matthew Wolf, all these different young guys, they get their few seconds in the spotlight when they win. But then it's right back to Tiger coverage. What's he doing? You know, how's how's his leg? This and that. And so, like you said, once, like, the guys like Phil and Tiger kind of make their transition past golf, then we can start to appreciate this young crop of uber-talented guys. And that's the other thing that everybody has to realize, um, and I'm sure we've mentioned it, but the PGA Tour is so much different than it was when Tiger and Phil first started the the talent depth is so much more vast like there is legitimately probably 50 to 60 guys every week in every field that could go out and win that event you know and back 20 25 years ago there was probably maybe single digits maybe 10 guys that you're like oh yeah he could probably go out and win this week you know and so it's so much i i it's so hard to say and we can probably debate this another time but like the difference in eras and in every sport it's kind of picked apart where the nba everybody thought it was tougher in the 90s and same with the nfl because of the defense and scoring and this and that but i can say pretty much without a doubt that the pga tour the last 10 years has gotten harder to be really really good at than any other sport in the world because everybody's getting faster. And I mean, it, it's happening in other sports too, where everybody's working out, everybody's on a meal plan. Everybody has a, a mental coach. Like these guys are, are taking everything to the next level. And rarely do you see a guy like John Daly now where 30 years ago when he started, that was a real thing like that. And I still think they're legends, but nobody really goes out and just parties their ass off and wins a bunch on the PGA tour. Like there's a level of discipline now that has overtaken professional sports and golf is definitely to be included in that because these guys, like you, you look at Hovland, Morikawa, not so much. He's a little bit more slender. Um, I mean, he's still got some little muscles, but Hovland's got some big arms, dude. Like he's not, and like you look at the width of his shoulders versus his torso, like the exact opposite of me. He gets like real bit, like his shoulders are super broad and wide, and then he gets like super narrow. You can tell he's super built and in a really, really good shape. And 
he drives it so fucking good that and I I don't want to go down the whole rap whole not a rabbit hole but path of giving yourselves opportunity giving yourself opportunities from the fairway and how much more that can increase your chance to score. Um, but when you drive it that well, you're going to be good. He's got a great attitude, like you said, Spencer, and he puts it pretty damn good. Like it's not like he's ranked 250th in putting and he misses so few greens that chipping is just not something he, he gets into that much, you know, like the only reason I'm good at chipping is because I miss greens. So when you miss greens, you got to be good at chipping. But overall, I, I really, Victor Hovland's probably one of my top five guys on tour to watch right now, everybody included. Like, I just think he's a blast. Well, yeah. And you brought up an interesting point there and every sport, like you said, is going this way, but it kind of got me thinking about like other sports you can't directly compare to golf because they're team sports, but in golf, there's not like winning when you talked about winning tour events and how, how deep the fields are and how there's so many guys that can, show up and win any sort of tour event. Uh, they have the talent to do that in golf. There's no such thing as like tanking or playing bad teams. Like every week, every dude, you know, yeah, there's going to be guys that are sick or not feeling it. Of course that's, that's life, that's sports, that's hum- humanity in general, but overall, like every guy is there to win, you know, and, and they say that in football, but like, do the Jaguars really want to win games? Do the Texans really want to win games? Like they put a roster together that's not built to win games. And so there's no rolling over easy opponents in golf. You got to play the everybody's best. And, and we saw that this last week, speaking of Morikawa, you know, has a five shot lead going into Sunday and ends up not winning the tournament. So everybody's bringing it every day. And if you have one, I mean, he was 18 under through three days in Albany, which is a great score. I mean, he, like I said, five shots clear of, of second place. That was 13 under. And all of a sudden he's, he ends up, you know, basically giving up that five shot lead to, because Victor Hovland decides to um, decides to basically make his way up the leaderboard and, and win the tournament. Yeah, and and it was really a shocking uh, happening that Colin Morikawa gave it away like that. He ended up shooting – I'm pulling it up right now. Um, I think – what do you shoot, 77 or 78 on Sunday? I think he – or at least 76 because he did not finish um, even in the top three. And Hovland – played his ass off on Sunday, even Scotty Sheffler finishing second. And it's funny you say, so you mentioned Sam Burns name. He's like 23 or 24. He finished tied for third and Scotty Scheffler, who's another like 24 year old finishes second. And then Hovland, who's 24 year old, 24 years old also wins the event. And Morikawa is also 24. So just the young talent is is absolutely unbelievable and a little shocking out of Morikawa but those Sunday rounds happen and he's not the kind of dude that I think will let it get him down but he was kind of on the verge of dominance when he had that that lead and you're like holy shit he's just rolling going into next season you know like pretty much the favorite probably to win the FedEx Cup next year already and he probably is anyways but uh, a little bit shocking from him, but those rounds happen. If you play golf, you know, 
that a rough Sunday is the worst thing you can have, but it, it happens to everybody. So you got to shake it off and move on. And I think Colin won't have a problem doing that. No, yeah, he won't. And and talking to Dave Eddy today, one of our members at the course, he he didn't bring up an interesting point because if Morikawa wins that, you feel like he's just rolling into the next season and like going to be the favorite to maybe win the FedEx Cup or win a, a few majors, which I still think he may win another one next year's game is just so solid. But it was a huge kick to his – it had to be a huge kick to his ego, even though it was an official PGA Tour event, to give up a five-shot lead on a Sunday um, and congrats to Morikawa. On the other hand, he just got engaged. So I don't know if those are, if those were a, a cause and effect type of scenario. What do you think there? Yeah, he, he's probably thinking about all the things she's already mad at him for that haven't even happened yet. Like maybe she had a dream that he was, <laughs> he pissed her off in her dream and she just woke up angry. Cause that's the thing, I guess. Um, but yeah, there. <laughs> There's a lot of different options as to how um, us guys can make women angry. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that could have something to do with it. No, but in all seriousness, his, his mind could probably be in a few different places. And that's the thing, too, is like he played so well the first three days. Can you really be like, oh, you know, his he just didn't have it this week. It's like, no, he was 18 under through three days. He was beating the whole field. And so I, I, I wouldn't necessarily blame it on that, but it's, you never really know what's going through a player's mind. That's why they go out there and play because in all honesty, I looked at the leaderboard Sunday morning and I was like, Oh fuck, this isn't even worth playing. Like, uh, or is walking away with it. You know, I didn't even turn it on if I'm being real honest, because I, I was like, Morikawa is walking away with it. And then about seven or eight holes in, I saw him go, I think he was four over through six. And I was like, Holy shit, this is so, unlike Morikawa to make a move back towards the field, especially when the scoring was not that tough. You know, there's guys throwing out 66s, 67s. It wasn't U.S. Open conditions by any means. So for for him to, to really fall quickly down the leaderboard that early in the front nine Sunday was shocking. And that's when I turned it on and started watching. And uh, overall, yeah, just kudos to Hovland. I don't think Morikawa is necessarily going to, miss a step but i you never know what it can do to a guy's ego because professional athletes are so fragile mentally um and that's not a shot at them it's just they're so good at what they do that if you have one ounce of of lack of belief in yourself like if you lose just one ounce of belief it can send you down a spiral for a whole year or multiple years you know we've seen guys it, it happened to multiple guys before so I don't think that's going to happen with Morikawa, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the next few starts. That's for sure. Well, and another, a couple of interesting notes from Hoblin's win this week. Uh, we, we tweeted this on our, if you're not following us on Twitter at DNVR underscore golf, get on that uh, right now. If you're listening and you're not following us, definitely be following us on Twitter where you get all our wit and uh, funny golf tweets and you can see our TikToks and whatnot. But um he, he had a three hole stretch where he went eagle birdie eagle so being five under in three holes when you're trying to win a golf tournament is pretty good uh, yeah that's, that. you can almost cannot do better than that i'd be interested to see if there was ever a better three hole stretch it's definitely happened on tour but i don't think there's ever been a better a better 
Not there's yeah, as good. Five under never. five under and three holes is pretty fucking tough to do. I don't care who you are. Even you put me on a par three course. That well, that's even tougher because then you need to make hole one. <laughs> I was gonna say but, that's a that's a couple yeah. of aces and a oh, and a birdie. No, that's but, yeah, yeah, exactly. Glad you could do your math there, big shooter. Um, but well, and yeah. Also, one last thing too. He actually on after Friday's round, he switched and took a three iron out of his bag and dropped in a little ping G four twenty five seven wood. So really, yeah, it was playing around a hundred uh, sixty year olds all over the world are rejoicing. They right? hear that a PGA Tour guy has a seven wood in his bag. Yeah, it was like a twenty point five or twenty one point five degree seven wood with like a cut down shaft. So it was basically like like a I don't know. It's it's hard to describe it. Um, That's basically but, a, a hybrid because a yeah. seven wood, generally speaking, is like. A four iron is like 21 degrees. So a seven wood, a normal seven wood is around 27 degrees. I want to say. Yeah. He was basically just trying to find a, a, a breaking point between his three wood and his, his four iron. And it's normally like a three iron, but he said he wanted a little more trajectory uh, since it wasn't going to be as windy that weekend in the Bahamas. It was windy Friday, Thursday, Friday. So he had the three iron and then he switched to the seven wood. So little mid tournament equipment switch. Well, dude, and that's smart. I I do take back what I just said. I was thinking of a seven hybrid, not a seven wood, but yeah, seven wood, I guess would be around 21 or so degrees because a five wood would be 18, a three would be 15. So um, that math does check out. That was my fault. I'll take that one on the chin, but that a seven wood in the bag is just uh, the reason for me personally, why I don't like, I even, I don't go any further than a five wood. I go three wood and then I go three hybrid and then I go four iron because a seven wood, and it all depends on the conditions. Like a seven wood will definitely produce a lot more loft than a three iron, but the way the head is shaped in the depth of the head, it's going to create more spin. Um, it's going to get you more trajectory if that's what you're looking for because of the spin, but it's also harder to hit out of the rough. That's why I don't like it. I would put a hybrid in the bag versus seven wood any day of the week because it's got more of that round cupped face to it. The the woods do versus the hybrids where the hybrid has a little sharper leading edge and it just travels through the rough so much better. And the weight distribution in the head, like the hybrids are a little bit more forward towards the center of the head where, uh, five woods, seven woods, they have a little bit more weight towards the back of the head. So it's going to create a little bit more launch, more spin. So uh, that's my personal opinion. But I mean, Hovland's out there. I think he's made ten million in two years. So, or yeah, two years. Uh, and I'm sitting here doing this podcast. So I think he kind of knows his game a little better than I do. I'd venture to guess. Yeah. Well, and so before we move on and talk a little bit about tiger woods and, uh, what's next in the next couple of weeks of golf, as far as tournaments go, um, the, now that the fall swings over, there's a few stats and this is, uh, I got this from uh, PGA tour.com website, a few stats from the, the little fall swing that we got here. So Rory McIlroy won the CJ cup. We know that that was his 20th PGA tour win. Um, and at age 32, he is the second youngest player born outside the United States to make it to 20 PGA tour wins. So um, 
Can I guess who else? Yes. So this man was born in England in 1904 and was credited with his 20th PGA Tour title at age 31. Oh, good Lord. I I don't even know his name. What's his name? I can't remember. Yeah, never heard of him. All right. So now uh, we're going to play. We're going to play another little guessing game here. All right. So there are seven players that have reached 20 official PGA Tour titles before the age of 33. Can you name those seven? Phil Mickelson. Yep. Tiger, obviously. Yeah. Um, Greg Norman. No. Arnold Palmer. Yep. Jack Nicholas. Yep. Um, Sam Snead. No. And sorry, so there's only six. So there's, there's six. not seven. He is seven. McElroy is seven. So this is this kind of puts in perspective how good he's how good of a career he's had, even though it seems like he's fallen off the last couple of years. All right, so you got Palmer, you got Nicholas, you got Woods, and you got Mickelson. There's two other guys. Oh shit. Um, Johnny Miller. No. One of these guys, one of these guys owns like a golf management company that's pretty world renowned. A golf management, maybe some courses. Tom Weisskopf? No. Okay, he's a course architect. Well, okay, so the other guy that I wasn't trying to clue you in on has the same first name and the same last initial as the guy you just said. T.W. Same first name. Tom, oh, Tom Watson. Okay, there we go. Okay, yep, Tom Watson, that makes sense. And then who else could it be? What generation? He's, like, older, definitely older. This is the guy that owns, like, a golf management company that manages courses, builds courses right now. Think he's dead, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Rest in peace, if so. Get, give it to me. Hit me with it. Billy Casper. Oh, Bill, dude, Billy? Yeah, I, I was on the course with him down in Florida. He's dead. Ah, he passed away. Yeah, he okay. passed away. That That is kind of crazy because Billy Casper, if you've never heard of him, look him up if you like golf, which you probably do because you're listening to this right now. Uh, Billy Casper is low-key like – one of the top 15 golfers of all time. And like most people have never heard of his name. And it's sad that that didn't come to the forefront of my mind, but he ended up with 51 worldwide tour wins when he called it a day, which is uh, right up there. I think top 10 of all time in wins, if not top five, but he actually wrote a book called the big three and me, which I have a signed copy from him. Not a big deal. Uh, that he hand wrote out dear Mitchell, uh, all the best. I want to say it was really, really well thought out. He, he really <laughs> took some time to, th- I mean, he was like 85, but it was super cool to be out on the course with him. And he had one of the, the best careers that you've never heard about. So that makes sense dude. That is some, some really, really high company. And I think one of the things that plagued Rory was he started so well at such a young age that he's had this dip and everybody's like, Oh, he's over the hill. It's like, dude, he's like 30. 
he's not before he's even 30 people are like oh does he care this and that so he got so much money from nike and so yeah it kind of puts things in perspective like you said how good of a young career he's already had like if he really wants to stick with it he's in the physical shape to play for another 15 years so there's a lot more stuff he can accomplish out on tour but that's that's pretty wild yeah and this is like when we talk about all these young players on tour are they going to have the same scenario where they're winning tournaments before they're 22? You know, Victor Hovland's already won five events. Is or If he gets to 30 and is uh, plateauing or whatever, they're going to be like, oh, you know, whoever. Um, so one last stat for you from the fall swing, uh, and then we'll turn this into a guessing game as well. This should be a fairly easy one if you're in the right mindset. All right. So, um, of course, Victor Hovland won this week at the, at the hero world challenge. He's also won on the fall swing with a Mayakoba. He became the first player to successfully defend a title in a tournament since who? In 2018 and 19, that should help you out. Holy cow. Um, and this was a big one. This is no small potatoes tournament. 2018 was it Dustin Johnson? Nope. Oh, defend say to def- successfully successfully defend a title at a PGA Tour event. Like they won it, and then the next year they win it again. Oh, okay. Um, geez, dude, I was it a major? Yep. That should narrow it down. Was it Rory with back-to-back PGA Championships? No, it was back-to-back PGA Championships, but it was not Rory. Justin Thomas? No. (laughs) Holy cow. Um, I don't know. It's Brooks Kepka from 2018. Oh, geez, Louise, dude. I can't believe I just – Kepka just completely slipped my mind altogether. I forgot he was still playing. Normally we get to flex your, like, random golf knowledge on these trivia questions, but tonight you're struggling, so – I think we're going to move on into our, yeah, our next topic. Just, I'll take the L on the way out. Um, we're going to, we're going to gamble in to, uh, we're going to have you stop gambling on your picks, um, your guessing game picks. And we're going to gamble hopefully better than I did at the Kansas city uh, craps tables, but you guys are going to want to gamble and bet on sports with DraftKings Sportsbook which is America's top-rated sportsbook app and an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And they're giving you guys a great offer most of this football season and is continuing on uh, with a no-brainer bet to get your account started. Um, Basically, all you have to do is bet on an NFL game, bet $1, and if either team scores a point, you win $100 in free bets. You can also get skin in the game with your same-game parlays, They're super fun to do on Sunday night games, and there's only one game to watch Monday night, Thursday night. uh, You get all a bunch of bets put together into one for a giant payout on the DraftKings Sportsbook. So make sure you log in to the DraftKings Sportsbook, sign up, use that promo code DNVR, and you'll get the chance to win $100 off a $1 bet if either NFL team scores, which is a pretty safe bet. This isn't the 1980s anymore. Teams are airing it out. We saw one of the worst conditions in the history of football wind wise on Monday night in Buffalo. And they're still both teams still scored, uh, but you know, new England, apparently this is a super bowl level team again. 
Uh, they scored 14 and Buffalo scored 10. So you're winning $100 in free bets off a dollar. That's it. One single dollar bet if either team scores in an NFL game. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNBR and have a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code DNBR. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Moving into maybe the biggest news we've had in golf outside of, how do I say this, outside of the PGA Tour, outside of like the diehard golf fans. Um, He's back. We alluded to it um, when he was videoed swinging at the Hero World Challenge, which he hosts. Now he's officially going to be back playing in not an official PGA Tour event, but uh, a tournament with his son at the PNC Championship. Mr. Eldrick Tiger Woods is back in business. Yeah, dude, I, I really can't believe like a month ago they were, they were talking about if he'd ever play golf again. And he's already uh, back playing somewhat competitively. It's, it's a non-sanctioned event, like Spencer said. But the fact he's getting back out on the course is just absolutely insane. Um, one of the big stipulations to this tournament is they have golf carts available, so he doesn't have to walk, which I think will be one of the struggles um, going forward for him when he plays because of that leg and ankle. Um, what's it going to look like for him to walk five or six miles along a swinging golf club? So that might take a little bit more time to get back but just the fact that he's swinging and it looks like relatively pain-free. Um, I think he's got a sleeve on his right leg. So I'm not quite sure how that – I've never been athletic enough to wear a sleeve for benefit of myself other than looking <laughs> cool in, in seventh grade basketball. So I'm not quite sure how that benefits him, but maybe distributes the pressure a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, it's just – it's insane, and I'm – I'm stoked. I'm stoked to see Charlie too. Cause a year when, when kids are that age, like what is he around 10 or 12 now, somewhere in 12 that? now? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, from 11 to 12 is a big jump. You know, he's probably grown a few inches. He's matured and to watch his game too, will be just as fun, but yeah, it's going to be electric seeing tiger back out there for sure. Yeah. And so he's in a press conference. So for those of you guys that don't know, um, and didn't see it last year, which I don't know if you pay attention to golf at all, how you didn't, but Tiger and his son play in the PNC championship where it pairs a major winner with a family member and it's a two person scramble. So it's a pretty easy event in terms of the pressure. Like I said, it's not a sanctioned event down in Orlando, Florida, um, at the Ritz Carlton golf club. So not a, not a bad place to spend the week before Christmas down there in Orlando, Um, But Tiger did have a press conference and he said that uh, I quote, I think something that is realistic. I think something that is realistic is playing on the tour one day, never full time ever again, but pick and choose just like Mr. Hogan did pick and choose a few events a year. And you play around that you practice around that and you gear yourself up for that. I think that's how I'm going to have to play it from now on. It's an unfortunate reality, but it's my reality and I understand it and I accept it. So my question to you, and like, I'm sad for being so giddy about watching him swing a club again. I've said it on this pod multiple times, but it's the dude that got me like into golf and obsessed with golf. And I'm not the only one out there. There's millions that are my age or, you know, late twenties, early twenties, late, late, early thirties. I mean, that have gotten into golf because of Tiger Woods and he made the sport what it is today. 
But my question for you is, so he's pick and choosing, picking and choosing events, okay? And we know he's going to play in all the majors provided he's healthy enough, right? So do you mm-hmm. think this gives him a better chance at winning majors and going for Jack's record of 18 majors that he's picking and choosing events and maybe not playing every week, not having a chance to hurt his back or tire out. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely pluses and minuses to it because the reason he plays, he still was playing every week. And the reason why um, guys like Phil and a lot of the big names still play every week, partially, I mean, because they love it, but it's to keep their game in shape for the majors. You know, it, there's nothing quite like tournament competition and tournament golf to get your game in shape to go out there and compete in a major. So that's going to be the challenge for him is how can he keep his game in full-time tournament shape? Like I can attest that playing part-time is harder than playing full-time, maybe not on your body, but definitely on your golf game because you can't really necessarily get into a groove when you play a tournament, you take a month off, you play, and I'm sure he'll probably play, probably the weeks preceding majors and a few build-up tournaments and bigger events, like maybe the Arnold Palmer, um, the Honda Classic, if he can. He'll probably pick the bigger ones, obviously, uh, that mean a little more as wins. But, yeah, that that is my biggest concern is keeping – and he's Tiger Woods, so I put nothing past him. But just keeping your game in tournament shape week in, week out not being on the golf course competing and then showing up to a major and trying to win it. That's probably one of the toughest things in sports. So I, like I said, I wouldn't put it past him, but that's, that's my main concern right off the bat. Yeah. Well, and I think the one intriguing thing about 2022, we know the masters has always played at Augusta national. And of course that he has, knows like the back of his hand. So I feel pretty confident in his ability there. And we'll see if he plays is evil, even able to play in that and walk, walk at Augusta and not need a cart, you know, any of that. But I think the other intriguing thing is, you know, you've got the PGA championship, which is at Southern Hills in Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So not a big name, not a course he's owned, not a course he's been around. And then with the U S open being at the country club in Brooklyn, Massachusetts, that's another one where it's kind of iffy, but, but, the um, the Open Championship being at St Andrews, I would give. I, I'll be interested to see what the odds are on that. Um, let me let me log into my. I'm going to filibuster real quick here and log into DraftKings Sportsbook and see if they do have odds for these and if they have Tiger in them. But being that the Masters, like I said, is at Augusta, and the Open Championship is at um, St Andrews two courses where he's won before and has a great history. So I feel like if, if he's going to really gear up for two of them, obviously he's going to gear up for the majors, but those two are two that he's going to look to pinpoint, I think in general, because they're places he's already won and feels comfortable on. Yeah, that definitely makes a big difference going to places you're familiar with because he won't have to do as much on course, um, work pre beforehand before the tournament you know he's played there long enough to where he knows his way around um there hasn't been any major modifications to either course so he can pretty much go out there knowing what he's he's getting into and like you said it just comes down to augusta's very hilly um different lies above your feet below your feet 
St. Andrews is about the most flat shit you could ever play on in your life. It is next to a body of water and it's like zero feet above sea level. So it's very, very flat. He won't have an issue walking there unless he's, he's having physical issues, but there, there's a few dunes here, here and there, but nothing like Augusta national where the Hills are pretty major. The lies are pretty, pretty major. So it will be interesting to see how it pans out, but uh, it'll just be electric to see him in the majors. As long as the other guys get some sort of coverage while he's playing still. Absolutely. Well, and it looks like, so this is from Superbook sports in a place in Vegas, a better did place a $1,046 bet on Tiger to win the 2022 Masters at plus 10,000 right now. So that hmm. will net him over $100,000, $104,000 if Tiger wins the 2022 Masters. So pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. That's Yeah, that's pretty big odds there. All right. So we're going to finish this episode up with, um, well, first of all, we want to get into just real quick. Uh, we've talked about it a lot on our podcasts and we're finally getting it. So we saw in the last, basically this last NHL season that ESPN plus has taken coverage and they're adding more games to ESPN plus there. You're getting to watch a lot more NHL games rather than just having, you know, the whole altitude nonsense withstanding in, in Colorado, getting to watch more games on ESPN plus and on a national um, national market with national media calling the game. And you get to see them in Colorado Um, but the tour and ESPN plus have announced details of expanded and extended PGA tour coverage beginning January of 2022. So there's going to be four new feeds, um, from ESPN plus, and there's going to be a total of 4,300 exclusive hours, um, on, on the tour next season. So you'll be able to watch a a ton more golf. They're going to include live coverage of 35 tournaments, uh, all the way through the FedEx cup in the fall. And uh, they're going to have 28 events having four full days of coverage and four simultaneous live feeds from each day. So awesome partnership between ESPN, ESPN Plus and PGA Tour Live, uh, giving the golf fans what they want and giving us more coverage so we don't have to watch um, Welcome to Golf or Good Morning Golf on Thursdays and Fridays. We'll hopefully be able to watch actual coverage of tournaments from when the first guys get out there uh, to when you know, the, the trophies is lifted at the end of the tournament. So awesome stuff to see from the PGA tour. They need this, they need more coverage. People are watching more golf. People are getting into golf. So, um, I'm normally not a big proponent of ESPN, the four letter network. Uh, there's a lot of shit that they talk about that nobody really cares about because it's the same people, but ESPN plus, which is a fairly cheap, uh, streaming service to have, we'll have a lot more golf coverage. So stoked about that. All right. Yeah, that'll that'll be really cool. I'm excited to just see the expanded coverage. Like you said, it's a long time coming and just getting more eyes on the game can never be a bad thing. So absolutely. All right. Into our last segment of the week, which is fairway or four Uh, Mitchell, I'll let you start it off. But before we do that, we're going to talk about last week's fairway or fours, which we tweeted out. We had a great pod last week. If you haven't checked that one out, make sure to go check that out with, uh, Ryan Adams, the associate editor for the PGA Magazine, one of my buddies from college, has some great stories from covering tournaments, um, does a really great job of just talking about um, what his what it's like to write for the PGA Magazine, moving to a completely new facility, 
all that kind of stuff. So uh, great stuff from Ryan Adams, but our, our three fairway or fours from next week, which you guys voted on. Uh, first of all was mine, which was wearing full PGA tour level golf attire to a, an event to attend an event uh, that actually got um, pretty good votes as far as four. Uh, so even though uh, Ryan said it was maybe fairway, um, sometimes, you know, we talked about the jury, oh, wearing jerseys to games, et cetera, but that's like wearing a Jersey with shorts and shoes and a shooting sleeve and a headband. Um, so that got 94% four on wearing full golf, 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 golf attire, uh, at a PGA tour sanctioned event. Uh, the other one, Mitchell, your fairway or four was, uh, there's no better golf event than the Ryder cup. And that was 68% fairway. So a lot of people agreed with you that the Ryder Cup is golf's best event. Um, it was certainly one of the most fun to watch, but uh, the overall best event for the viewer, not necessarily for the players, but it's pretty close up there for them too. And then um, Ryan's fairway or four was giving unsolicited swing advice to someone on the range. And that, that got 95% for, so don't give that unsolicited swing advice. Even if you think, you know what you're talking about, 95% of the people in golf that are even good players don't know exactly what they're talking about or can't help someone. So there's no better golf. According to our followers, there's no better golf event than the Ryder cup. Do not give unlisted unsolicited swing advice and do not wear full golf attire to a golf tournament. Just be chill. Just everybody chill. All right. Moving into fairway or four for this week, Mitchell, what do you have for us? Uh, well, so the last couple games, you were in Kansas City, and I was – we were both at the Philadelphia game in Denver, even though it was in Denver. There were still quite a few Philly fans there. Um, and both of their fan bases really kind of suck, unfortunately. But in your opinion, since you were at both, is Kansas City – Kansas City's fan base worse than Philadelphia's. Is that fairway or four? I will say as of I'm speaking in the moment right now, I would say that's four. I think the Philly fans were worse um, just because Kansas City, to me, a fan base can be way worse if they're not winning. And Philly's like really not good and they've won one random one-off Super Bowl and haven't really been good in a long, long time. Kansas City being still leading the division, you know, they're not playing as good a football as we expect them to or since Patrick Mahomes has joined the league. But I, I would say Philly fans were worse um, just due to the fact that they're not really that good and they were just running their mouths. Like Kansas City fans running your mouth. Like I've always said this and I'll stick to this you can run your mouth as, around me as long as much as you want, as long as your team's winning or your team's a good team. If your team's bad and you run your mouth and you just got multiple, you got, you got a lot of problems. So I'm going to go with a, uh, I'm going to go with four on that. I think Philly's fan base is worse than Casey's. I would probably have to agree with that. In my experience, I have never dealt with a more obnoxious fan base than the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm glad they only come here once every eight years. Is it eight? Yes, exactly. Yes, thank goodness. My All right, Lord. so my first fairway or four this week is going to be, so I had some pork chops last night. This is random. Um, and I waited till they were kind of medium rare, medium well-cooked-ish, right in between there, kind of more of a medium, if you will. But just thinking about steak and, and pork chops and like a good cut of meat, is, is it fairway or four? And I think I know your, your take on this. Is it fairway or four to eat meat? 
like steak, pork chop, whatever, cook, like anything other than basically chicken, which is not allowed to eat raw. Um, is it fairway or four to eat meat well done? No, definitely not. I wouldn't even go as far as to say medium well. Uh, pork chops, you can cook medium and like the thicker ones, and they're awesome. As long as you get them up to the correct internal temperature, get yourself that meat probe. Those things are, those things come in handy um, when you're grilling also. But then steak is medium rare maximum for me personally. Uh, medium rare, me, medium max max, if I had to say that, like warm pink center, I guess is what you'd call it. But I definitely prefer medium rare. So that's a, a big four for me on that one. Okay, love it. All right, your next one. Ooh, there's quite a few to choose from. Um, okay, so Kirk Cousins, the Vikings are playing currently is Thursday night we were recording this. He is kind of in line to get a contract this next year. And he's had some very um, – he's actually had very good numbers, but he's also kind of – shown himself to not be that clutch like coming down the stretch you wouldn't take him as your top five quarterbacks to play in the NFL you know what I mean so is that fairway or four do you think Cousins deserves another big contract I think it's four I don't think he does because I think Kirk Cousins is one of those guys that like you said he can't ever win the big one he doesn't deserve a huge contract where you can't put other players around him uh, him having a huge contract just hurts his entire team. I think he needs to go down to the $15, $20 million a year guy, maybe build a good offensive line in front of him, build a good defense around him, and then you have a chance. But when he's making as much as he's making uh, and the Vikings are barely a 500 team or under 500, I don't think he's going to see ex- any success in that league. So, Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't disagree. And the NFL is so tough, too, because you're such a victim of the market like Kirk Cousins was the best available at that time. And so they really had to pay him in order to bring him over to Minnesota from Washington. So at the end of the day, um, it, it wasn't a great deal for Minnesota. The first deal was at three years of 93 million or some obscene number like that. But yeah, he definitely needs to, to take a pay cut if the Vikings are going to be a winning football team. Yep. Well, so that wraps it up for us. Make sure to check out our Twitter at DNVR underscore golf and vote on these when we tweet them out next week. We appreciate you guys all tuning in. Make sure to uh, give us a like or a a subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to our podcast on. Give us a comment. Uh, Let us know how we're doing. If that's bad, great. If that's good, even better. Let us know. We love to hear the feedback. We love to interact with all you guys on the socials. Um, We're going to be doing a giveaway here soon. We got some kind of big news-ish coming up here soon in December. So we'll be doing a giveaway for Christmas. So make sure to check that out as well. Uh, Until then, we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend. Go Broncos. Go Nuggets. Go Abs. Peace.